0: John chapter 12, verses 44 through 50 gives us some interesting insight about our Savior and where He was in His ministry to the world at this time, and we thank Him for all that He has done. John chapter 12, begins, and Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in Me, believes not in Me, but in Him. Who sent me? And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has. A judge. What is it? Who is it? The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say, as the Father has told me. Those are some of the promises and the consequences of, the consequences of believing and the consequences of not believing. God used George Whitfield in a way seldom seen in this world. He was the main instrument in spiritual revival known as the Great. Awakening, which swept across the United States in the mid-1700s. Whitfield was also good friends with Benjamin Franklin. Their friendship began when Whitfield came to Philadelphia in 1739 and lasted until his death in 1770. During the course of this 31-year friendship, Franklin was the primary publisher of all of Whitfield's sermons and journals. Forty-five times, Whitfield's sermons were reprinted in Franklin's newspaper, the Pennsylvania Gazette, and eight times, the sermon filled the entire front page. Franklin published ten editions of Whitfield's journals, and so thousands of reprints of Whitfield's sermons. Their relationship extended beyond a business relationship. On more than one occasion, when Whitfield came to Philadelphia, he stayed with Franklin in his home. When some of the religious elite criticized Whitfield in another local paper, Franklin wrote a rebuttal. His support for Whitfield, along with a regular correspondence between the two, continued for the next 30 years. Despite their friendship and Whitfield's continued presentation of the gospel, Franklin never responded in faith. In his autobiography, Franklin wrote about Whitfield. He used sometimes to pray for my conversion, but never had the satisfaction of believing that his prayers were heard. How do we explain Franklin's rejection of the gospel? He heard and read hundreds of the sermons of America's greatest evangelists. He spent hours with him discussing the gospel. He received dozens of letters over the span of 30 years, yet he was unmoved. Why didn't Benjamin Franklin believe? And why does anyone reject the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, that's a good question. And hopefully this passage is going to share with us the consequences of believing and the consequences of not believing. In John chapter 12, verse 44, notice what happens here. Jesus cries out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words, it does not keep them. Look what Jesus says, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There's really a simple formula here in these few chapters, in these few verses. Number one, to believe in Jesus is to believe in God. Believing in Jesus is the same as believing in God. Why is that? Because we've learned in the Gospel of John that God the Father and Jesus are one. If you see one... You see the other. And you and I cannot believe in the Father apart apart from believing in Jesus. If you say, and I say we believe in Jesus, we also believe in the Father. You have to. Because why? They are one. Not only does he say, in, fact, in terms of our believing, if we believe in him, we also believe in the Father, but also in what we see. To see Jesus is also to see the one who sent him. Who sent him? None other but the Father. So, believing and seeing is two for one. You get both Jesus and you get both the Father. Amen? And that's a good thing. When we talk about the consequence of belief, we understand that to believe and to see Jesus, because he even further elaborates on that, because he says, I am light. And throughout some of the Gospels, when you read through there, what you find out is Jesus says, I am the Light of the world. What he's talking about that, if you and I want to know life of a different kind, if we want to be able to see life and live life to its fullest, we have to recognize that Jesus is light. A belief in Jesus and a belief in the Father means that we are rescued from the, from the domain of darkness. Amen? Prior to, anybody that's living prior to the earth, conversion or your salvation you and i were in darkness we had no comprehension of what it meant to live in the light now if you're here today and you know jesus guess what you're in the light that's great news so, the things that are going on around us, the things that are happening in our world, even the things that are happening to us individually and collectively, we have a better understanding of what that's all about because now we have the light of the S O N that now shines on the internal parts of our life. Prior to, it, we thought life was just the way it is. It is what it is, and I can enjoy it or not enjoy it, and I just take things as they happen. But as we even learn today, God has a plan. God has a purpose for everything that happens in your life. If he is L-I-G-H-T, and he is, guess what? When you and I see and when you and I believe, we get the light of his Son. We see life as it should be. And we also get a glimpse of life as what it could be and will be. And for us who are believers, guess what? No matter what you and I are going through, This is only our temporary state. How bad it is or how good it is or what the circumstances are. Guess what? God has a plan. Sister Juanita said that she was so appreciative of how God allowed her to grow up. But guess what? We all have to grow up. Light begets light. The more light you and I get from the Word, the more light we understand We even get a better understanding of ourselves. Some of us thought prior to understanding this that we weren't too bad. I'm I'm just as good. I'm I'm all right. And we use a bad comparison because we compare ourselves to somebody else. That's a bad thing. Do not, I should not and you should not compare ourselves to somebody else because ultimately what what Jesus is going to tell us that when he first came, because he even talks about it in this passage here, he says, uh, if anyone hears my word and does not keep them, he says, I do not judge them. Amen? For he says, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Like guess what? Christ's first incarnation, when he came to earth, his primary purpose was not judgment, but it was for what? Salvation. That's what he's really saying. He's not saying he's not going to judge at all. He's just saying, I did not come into the world on the first trip. Would you see me right now? It's not about judgment. I'm not here to judge right now. I am here to provide a means for salvation and to bring light to man's life and world. That's why I'm here. Amen? He said, I have come that you might have life, and that you might have life What? more abundant. Most of us aren't living the abundant life because we don't understand all about the light of who Christ is. The more, the more you and I understand this book and how Jesus, who Jesus really is and how he relates to the Father, because he just told us, believe in me, believe in the Father. See me, see the Father. Oh, by the way, I'm not here right now to bring judgment Or to judge, I'm here so that you might have a means of salvation. What do we need saved from? We need to be saved from our sins. We were in sin and in trespasses, and we understand that God hates sin. Amen? God cannot look upon sin. God cannot handle sin. Anytime there is sin present, we automatically understand that the consequence of our sin and our unbelief will be the eternal separation from God, but that's what Jesus says. Wait a minute. Back up, verse thirty-seven, through that forty-third verse. There, He said, uh, "Some of you believe. How can you not believe?" As He talks about in verse thirty-seven, there He says, "When Jesus had said these things, He departed and hid Himself from them. Though He had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in Him." so that the words spoken by Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Isaiah, in chapter 5 and chapter 6, talks about what he talks about there. Lord, who has believed, and to whom has the armor of the Lord been revealed. I've been around. I've done all kinds of miracles. I've done all kinds of things. And guess what? Many of you still do not believe. That negates the fact that many people say, Well, you know what? I would believe if Jesus, I could actually see him. If he was to show himself right now, today, in my world, I would believe. No, you wouldn't necessarily not believe. That's not true. Because they had him, and they still didn't believe him. And guess what? If you read those two passages in Isaiah, you will also realize that part of the reason why they could not believe is because God blinded their eyes. He intentionally blinded them and deadened their ears so they would not hear the truth of what Christ was saying. He said, "Oh wait a minute, why would God do something like that? He did that to fulfill the purpose for which Christ came. He says, "Oh, I'm going to make you not be able to see some of you, and I'm going to make you not be able to hear. Yes, me. I'm going to do that to you." So sometimes when people don't believe, it's really because God has deadened their ears and deadened their heart. Because he has an elective will. That sounds counterproductive. Doesn't God want everybody to come to truth? Yes. But guess what? He's God. And if he temporarily wanted to shut down some of the ears and the eyes of people at that time, not to believe, because we know ultimately Israel was his chosen people. And ultimately, in the end, he makes them the promise that there will be a remnant, there will be a remnant at the end. God always has somebody that believes. God always has somebody around that trusts in him. God has somebody always has around people who have faith, even in the church, even in the world. The only reason why the world isn't any worse off in this bad place right now is because the church is still here. We are still light, and we're still to be salt. But without that, you think it's bad now? You think people are crazy now? You think people are doing a whole lot of things now? I will tell you that when the church isn't here, the world is going to be opened up to some stuff that makes what's happening now look like a picnic. And it's all because of what Christ told us. We're to be the light. We're to be the salt. If the world is ever to see Jesus, guess how they see it? They're not going to see it by coming through those doors. They will see Jesus because they see Jesus in us. So he says, I'm not here now to judge on my first appearance, but I've come to save the world. It's good to know. Are you glad you're saved today? Do you know you're saved today? But also, he lets us know that in his future appearance, he comes as judge of all those who are unrepentant sinners. And he says, you know what's going to really judge you? Guess what will judge you? I'm glad you asked that question. He says, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. If you and I reject, if you reject me and do not receive my words. My word. Do not receive my words as a judge. The words that I have spoken will judge you and I or them. On the last day, to not take the words that Jesus has spoken is to reject him. So where's his words at? Right here in this book. Every time you and I reject the authority of, this, of his words, and some of us like the red letter edition, so you got an easy way to understanding when Jesus is actually speaking because the words are in red. When you reject that, and I reject that, we are really rejecting who God is. He says that's what's going to judge you. Isn't that interesting? People who come to church, never profess, will be judged by the words of Christ. said, I never accepted him. You didn't have to because guess what? What's going to condemn you or judge you will be the words that you did hear or a word that was spoken to you. Whenever you and I go out and we talk to somebody, we express to them some of the words that the Bible has said, that's what's going to ultimately Bring judgment on them. They, don't, they say, well, I never heard that. Yes, you did. Did you not come to church sometime and you heard the word spoken and the preachers or the people that you were talking to said, you know what, you need to come to Christ. You need to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You need to come to Christ and live out what the word. You had the opportunity. And Jesus says right there, hey, the words that I spoke, and guess what? What I said is not of my own. But they're of the authority of who? God the Father. I'm not telling you something on my by myself outside of the authority of my Father. He told me, I'm telling you, that's what's going to hold you and I accountable. Amen? That's good. Because that lets me know, in his application point, is that I can't get away from what God says because He's already said it in His Word. There's no excuse. I cannot go before God and say, I never knew, I never heard, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you do, because you've heard his words. And if you never heard his word, if it's no more than the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You've been to funerals. You've heard preachers talk about, you know, about the, the Lord and his goodness. You heard about when you attended a uh, homegoing service and the preacher stands up and he, he tries to, through the word, console people from their sorrows and pain and stuff. That's going to be the word that holds you. It's not God. You've heard it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. My God, what does that mean? I shall not lack anything. In the sorrows of your loved one before you, he leads you beside the still waters. He talks about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shallow death, I don't have to fear anything. Why? He's with me. John says, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. Why? If you believe in the Father, you believe in me. Why? For in my Father's house are what? Many mansions, many dwelling places. I go to what? Prepare a place for you. That's the promise of God. We could take good. We could be of good courage of all that because we understand that we have a place that we can call home. That's not necessarily right here. That if I know Jesus, that word troubled means like agitated, like a, like in your washing machine, the thing that turns and gets your clothes clean. It just you know, in our washing machine when it gets ready to do it, we hear just. Uh, 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 what's it doing? It's agitating. Has your heart ever been agitated? Do you get agitated? Do you get all, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Jesus, help me. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know the answer. That's, listen, part of life is we don't have the answers. That's why we have to have what? Faith and dependence upon him. Brother is going to have surgery, and he could be at peace. Now, we all have natural apprehension. That's natural. But ultimately, his peace comes from the Father. He'll be able to tell the surgeon, listen, I've, already, we, I've prayed, my church has prayed, we've all prayed about this, and this is in God's hand. This is going to be all right. So I just want you to know I've prayed, we've prayed, and you know, sometimes you can just tell your surgeon, excuse me, uh, before, before you put me under, can we, can we have a word of prayer? And most of you'd be surprised at how many doctors would say, sure. Because even if they're not a believer, they understand that some things are out of their control. But they also have a concept of there is a power bigger than I. Sometimes surgeons think that they're God. You know, I'm the one that's going well, no, you're not. God is going to enable you to be able to do what you need to do. It's all right, sir. Can we pray? I do how many times if you ask somebody that those simple words, can, I, can you pray? Do you want to we were out. I never forgot, I was out with some people and the waitress came by, I was taking our order, and we just simply asked her, is, uh, is there something we can pray for you about? That gets back to God the Father, God the Son. When you see one, you've seen the other. The consequences of belief is we have eternal life, we have life that's going to last, last us forever. We receive the blessings of God. No matter what you and I may go through this life, we can understand that the part of believing is he will be with you always. There's nothing that's going to happen to you now that God will not be with you now and in the future. You've got a policy with God. Our problem is we don't understand what the policy sometimes is always about. The more, you understand, the more you read this, the more you get the words of Christ, the more you see He is light, the more you believe in Him, the more you understand the policy that you got. You've got a policy that covers you 24-7 for the rest of your life and pays everything in full. Every time I used to go on vacation and if I rented a car, I would always ask my insurance agent, do I need to take that insurance out that they always ask me about? He says, well, not necessarily. He says, you're covered in your policy. I said, I am? He says, yeah. But if you just want to add extra, you can pay for that if you want to. But no, your pro- the policy that you have will cover you if something happens to that vehicle that you're in Florida or Texas or wherever you're at. I go, really? Good to know. Why did I ask him? Because I did not read my policy in full. I pay it. I get those little things at the first of the year that says whatever, whatever. They send out all those things. I don't read that thing. I just want to make sure that if you hit me and I hit you, I hit you, I'm covered, you're covered. That's all. I read. All that other stuff in there. I got free towing. I got this. I got unlock service. I got all the, That's what. That's what God says in His Word. We have a lot more benefits than we really realize. We just don't read this enough to know all the benefits that we got. So when I'm sick, I can call on Him. When I'm well, I can call on Him. When I've got heartaches and my kids aren't that I can call on Him. No matter what may happen, God says, call on Me. And if you go to the right verse in the right book in the right chapter, you find out, oh, I'm covered under that. Oh, that's a good thing to know. Brother Art is covered under the care of God. God will be his shepherd. God will watch for him. God's going to take care of him. Why? Because he's already said it in his word. I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for free. What does that mean? No matter what, we, may not have to, we don't have to worry about food. We've got everything covered, God has it covered for you. That's why when you come on a Sunday morning and you say, wait a minute, let me, let, me, let me understand this. God, if I see Jesus, I see God. If I believe in Jesus, I believe in God. And in spite of last week, let me wait, 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 rewind this a minute. Let me make this personal. Oh, when I was going through whatever it is you may have gone through this past week, guess what? God's telling you right now that he was with you. And no matter, no matter what I may have done in my past, I don't have to worry about being judged by God and sent to hell because I believe in his son. And if I see the son, I see the father. And whatever I believe in him, I believe. And no matter what I may have done or right now, I might be sitting right now at this present moment or today, later on today, when I sin, I know for one thing, I am covered. Because Jesus said he came to bring to me salvation and I've got it. I have salvation in him. I've been saved by Christ for my past, my present, and my future. It's all taken care of. In the light of what last week said, which lasts not just for last week, but for all of eternity, when he said it is finished, everything that he needed to do for me for salvation is complete. And by faith in what he has done, I received him, and now I am saved. And I am being saved, which means in the process of sanctification. Am I where I need to be? No. Hmm. No. I can, learn, I can ask the Lord to control my eyes, my ears, what I hear, and what I see. And sometimes some of the things I might say. Sometimes wrong thoughts. I understand. That's me. That's my struggle. Now, you may not have that. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you. You have arrived. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. But as my pastor used to tell me, he says, that some of us live in the real world. And sometimes we say things. Sometimes we do things. Sometimes we see things. And we just have to say, oh, Jesus, have mercy. I forget what I was watching the other night, and the person just said this the the S word. She just blurted it out. She was so mad and upset. I said, I can't be mad at you. You ever think about this? Sometimes, from our past, the devil rewinds and brings back words and expression that we heard when we were unsaved. And given the right, that's why I tell people, given the right circumstance the right situation. You cannot say what you will necessarily always do. Go ahead, stub your toe, and the devil could bring back some words that you just thought was never, it was not in you. And you say something, and then after you say it, you go, why did I say that? It's because he's a master at that. He goes back, remember when you were in high school, what's that word you heard? Oh. That's a good time not to say that. <laughs> and you say it, then I have to go, you know. And then some of us just go, oh, I just said it, so, you know, it's over. Where do you think these things come from? Have you, have you ever wondered where some of this stuff comes It shows us the depravity and the sinfulness of man. Unbelief. People just, you know, where does that come it comes from? Because when people rejecting the truth of the word of God, that's really in simplicity. You want to say, why, why, why is it so hard for us to believe? Unbelief is the conscious rejection of God. It is. That's what it really is. Unbelief is a conscious. You make a, you're consciously saying, I don't believe. It's the conscious rejection of God and his word. You're saying, I don't, I don't believe it. Belief in Jesus is equivalent to embracing God. Unbelief is a conscious rejection. Belief is embracing who God is. I believe him. God said it. I believe it. That sells it for me. Amen. That's it. I may not agree. I may say, well, Lord, but you don't, but Lord, you don't understand. No, he says it is sin. I need to confess it. I need to repent of it. And then I need to ask the Lord to enable me not to do it anymore. That's what true confession repentance is. Confession is you agree with God. That what I am doing is wrong. Repentance is, I'm saying to God, I repent. I am, I am sorrowful. I am sorry that I rejected you and your word in this area in my life. Forgive me. And I make it a point to ask him, since I am his child, that I ask you, Lord, to enable me by the power of your Holy Spirit, not to allow me to do it anymore. Not, I'm sorry, but I'm going to do it in the next five minutes. Hope I don't get caught. No. Godly sorrows. You get wore out because you know what you did wasn't right. When you were a little kid and your mother told you not to do and you did, did you you ever feel sorry for what you were doing? Even though as a little child, do not go out in the street and play. Okay. Yes, mommy. You're going to make me think of that deer we saw this morning. All your buddies are out there, all your friends are out there, and they're telling you, come on, come on, Byron, come on, it's all right. Mother said, don't go in the street. Friends are saying, come out. And then when you get out there and you get in trouble, who's to blame? You were told what? Not to go into the street. And you what? Did God says, don't do A, B, C, or D. And sometimes we say, well, God, I know you know all and you can do, but don't want to do this. And then when he says you're guilty, all you can really say is, I'm guilty as charged. Yes, Lord, take your discipline, take your spanking, and say, Lord, pray I don't do this again. See, when I was growing up, I didn't like pain, you know, you know what I'm saying, I didn't like pain. We came up with the old-fashioned whippings, so I learned early on, that's not something, and I, did, yeah, I got plenty of them, I can tell you the story when I was got one by my dad that was one of the worst ones I ever got, because he said, don't throw the football in the house, and I threw the football in the house, and broke an ashtray, and the rest is history. I had this belt that had these little like plastic looking jewels on it, whatever you call those things. Must be glittery, whatever. Took that. <laughs> had to cry. There's none of such a stuff as like, oh, you're going to cry. Oh, gonna cry. <laughs> we want to break you down. Godly sorrow. And as it was all over, my dad like, he was like, Ooh, I shouldn't have did that. because I had whelps and all this other stuff all over me. And those are the people of the days when you, kids now, they, I'm going to call the police. And we don't, I didn't say that word. Because if I was going to say I'll call the police, I probably would have got it worse. Sometimes God does that to us. He tells us we don't, we do, and guess what? He disciplines us. Now, it's not always a bad spanking. But every now and then, have you ever had the guilt of knowing that you disobeyed God? You just, you just didn't feel right? Has that ever been in your life? It's like, oh, I don't feel good. Why don't you feel good? Because I really know I really shouldn't have done that or shouldn't have said that. You know, sometimes people like to talk about, they, you know, I just say what I think. Sometimes you don't need to say what you think. Sometimes saying what you think gets you in trouble. And Jesus says, look, I have come to bring salvation. i am come really, he came to save us from ourselves. We are our own worst enemy. Number one, because we're born in sin and shaped iniquity, but we're also our own worst enemy. Because sometimes we don't understand the Word of God. We don't do what God wants us to do. He says, my primary point first was to save you, not to judge you. And what I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking from authority. God has sent me. He's given me a commandment. And what I say to you and what I speak to you I know that this commandment is, there it is, this is the promise, what I am saying to you is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say, because the Father told me. I'm only telling you what the Father has told me. You want eternal life? See me, see him. Want eternal life? Believe in me, believe in him. Amen? Amen. The consequence of belief is eternal life. The consequence of non-belief is no eternal life. Oh, you'll have eternal life. There, are, there, is, the, there is the eternal life. Oh, it's a two, two-sided thing. Everybody, whether saved or unsaved, will receive eternal life. The good news is those of us that know Jesus, those of us who are here this morning, we will see eternal life with Him. The bad news is if you don't know Him, you receive eternal life life in hell.
1: You don't want that.
0: Amen? You want life everlasting. The consequences of belief and unbelief is eternal life in Christ. Jesus makes this, I close on this, He says He cried out. He verbally expresses outwardly His statement is addressed to those that are around him, and he cries out today, because he wants you. He doesn't want part of us. He wants all of you. Amen? He wants total obedience. He doesn't want us part-time. He wants us full-time. What is it that I bring to the cause of Christ What is it that you bring? Everybody that's saved in here has something to offer Jesus. He didn't save you to sit. He saved you to serve. The question is, where are we serving at? Somebody says, well, I don't know what I do, Pastor. I don't know what my gift is. I don't know what, oh, we can pray about that. I was thinking this past week we were fasting and praying hopefully as we were fasting and praying, we were praying about many things. hope you haven't stopped praying for those things because they're still on the table. Whether it's our own individual families and our circumstance, but also about the church. We can go back and we can look over and we see so many of the people that we just need to be praying for and asking the Lord to move on the altar of their heart. There's nothing wrong in praying that God will move on somebody's heart. You're not, you're not praying judgment on them. you're saying, Lord, you know what? I, I have tried, I have spoken, but if they're really going to move to you, it's what you can do to them. Work in their life. I don't know, I know what that means, but you do. Deal with them as only you can. because let me tell you something, God knows the areas that were most vulnerable. And, and our loved ones where they're vulnerable. He could touch them. You can just like George Whitfield, years, years he had talked with, uh, Benjamin, I'm sorry, Benjamin Franklin, years that him and George Whitfield were together. He, he typed his sermons. He put them in his paper. He read them. They would have lunch or dinner, and they would sit around, and Whitfield would talk about the gospel. And in the end, Ben Franklin never believed. How do you get there? And so it's going could be a testimony for ourselves. Is I've been talking to some people for a long time, and guess what? They seemingly don't believe. But that does not mean we don't continue, because we don't know the ultimate results. You might be, and I might be dead and gone, and somebody will come in and say, you know what? Now, like we talked about, the light comes on. <laughs> click, click. Oh, I see. Did you see it in your lifetime? No. Somebody else will see it. I was watching the life of, and they were faithful. I was watching, I heard, I heard the testimony of Sister Juanita, and I was encouraged because I thought I was all grown up too. And to hear her, who's older than I am, say, I had to grow up gives me hope. Because I could grow up. It's not too late. And I think of Brother Ralph Stewart's song: "I've been through the storm and the rain, but I what? Made it." God says, "Belief has consequences. Eternal life. Non-belief has consequences. Eternal separation from God." And Jesus said, "I have come." save Savior. Amen? Are you saved today? Do you know you're saved today? Well, if we know we are saved, as we get ready to leave here, let us leave in the power and in the victory of our salvation. Let us show to a dying world that Jesus is my Savior. Amen? That's all he's asking. And don't let people put you in a box by telling you, well, I know what you... Listen, listen, listen. I didn't say I had arrived. I'm just telling you, God is still working on the building. Amen. Amen? Now, I don't know about you, but I know about me. I know that if I was to drop dead, I would be in heaven with my Lord. And you can sit back here after I'm gone and pick me apart and say, well, he didn't do this and he didn't do that. That's good. You can do what you want to do. But I know where I will be. I will be with Jesus. He was all right. He was okay. Hey, say what you will. I ain't worried about it because I was my Jesus. Amen. Be like the song I said? I wasn't going to tell nobody. But I just couldn't what? Keep it to myself. Father, thank you for your word.